Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. This week, I am joined by Danielle, and I am very excited to have you on the show. And Danielle, before you share your question with me, I want to acknowledge we're not sharing your birth information. It's all we're going to keep that private for now. But welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. Tell me what you would like to ask about. Thank you, Jessica. I'd like to ask about money. My relationship with money has been complicated. Um, I've been temporarily financially challenged for a really long time. I am fundraising right now for a project that means so much to me that involves supporting Black medicine people like myself in being financially secure and stable and nurtured and able to work from a place that is, you know, full and not stressing about money. And while I'm doing this, I am very much financially insecure personally and like hitting a peak of, of stress. So yeah, I welcome whatever you see, feel about um, my relationship with money and what needs to shift so that I can be in more of a place of receptivity. Okay. This yeah. is great. I mean, not that you're financially struggling. I love the work that you're doing. Obviously it's excellent and much needed, but also part of why I was so drawn to your question is because of how it's the right question for you to be asking. Like this is, this is a really big deal. So the first thing I want to kind of point towards is that in your birth chart, you have um, Venus, the planet that governs many things, including your personal finances, uh, conjunct your midheaven and your north node. And these three things are all pretty tightly sitting on top of each other. And so I want to start off by saying, yeah, you did not come into this life with a really clear uh, kind of grasp of what money is worth to you, how to make it, how to hold it, why you should bother, whether or not that's a good thing for you, that kind of stuff. This is where, you know, in your birth chart, your personal finances, your sense of value in the world, your sense of meaning and direction in your life and mm -hmm. your kind of career at large are all smooshed into one big Piscean sandwich <laughs> issue. <laughs> um, so again, you're asking the right question about how to make money for yourself is keyed into the service that you feel called to provide in the world and the path you want to place yourself on, not just this month or this year, but as an adult in the world. In addition to that, in your birth chart, you have a stellium in the sixth house. And that means you have a concentration of planets in the place of work and habit. And in that concentration is just kind of a messy mix of planets. You've got Neptune and Uranus who are just like capitalism. Who cares? No, I reject Saturn. Mm -hmm. Who's like capitalism. Yes. I will find all the rules. I will learn the rules. I will master the rules. And then Mars, who's just like, I need to get mine. I need to figure this out. And so this combination of planets is uh, messing with your Pisces stellium at the top of the chart. And so the conversation between value and service and your personal finances, and then what you do and how that fits into what is authentic and right for you, and also the amount of time and repetition that all those things take. It's 
kind of the most stressy thing in your birth chart. And so whether we're talking about money or how you organize your time in relationship to your ambitions, these are kind of your, your sticky places in the birth chart. Does this make sense? Sure does. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. So let me just slow myself down and just check in. So tell me what you do again. I'm an herbalist and body worker, energetic body worker. So I have my, my private practice and I also have side jobs. Right. Okay. And do you want your private practice to be like a 40 hour or 30 hour work week? Do you want that to be your bread and butter or not necessarily? I want to be uh, stewarding the shop um, as for, you know, the majority of my, my work week, you know, seeing clients and teaching is also part of my, my weekly flow, but for how and where I spend my days. I want to be at the shop. I want to be making medicine and in the garden and um, yeah. And then, and then seeing clients as well. And, so and will you be able to see and writing? And, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So will you be able to see clients and teach maybe right from the shop? Yes. Will that be part of what the shop is? It's like exactly. a community center style shop. It is. It's a practitioner space and um, classroom, medicine garden and apothecary. Beautiful. Okay, great. So first of all, because you have Uranus and Neptune and Mars in the sixth house, having a physical space, but also a daily routine, AKA a job that has a lot of things going on is really important for you. It's really important for you because you do get really restless and bored with things if they're kind of the same every day. Additionally, I think that your concentration, like your focus does better when you can like come at one thing and then shift your focus onto something else and then come back to that first thing and then go to the fifth thing. And then, you know, like that actually really does work for you. And again, does that make sense? It does. Like I get, I get really into things when I'm um, like, I can write for 16 hours, you know, I, I can get really, well, that's an exaggeration, but I can, I can, I I can get into what I'm doing and have to be really intentional about stopping and taking care of my body and taking a rest and, you know, yeah. Um, But I I can, I can spend a lot of time on something that I'm really into. I, I do love a variety of things that I'm into in different ways and that, you know, get me, it's, it's just my body responds so much better. And I think there's some like perfectionism, societal poisoning that I'm healing from. And yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, also you've a some Pluto square, so we can look at the like epigenetics of it. We can look at the inherited trauma of it. We could look at like a million different layers of it. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're driven by perfectionism. Yeah, that's, that is a part of your nature and that is not good or bad. It is a thing that needs your stewardship because your capacity to heal yourself, your drive and capacity to bring healing to others also comes from your son, Pluto square, right? So the sun, Pluto square in the birth chart, it gets a bad rap for great reasons. It is a hard placement, but it is also a placement that means you can move mountains, you can create something out of nothing. Uh, You have the capacity and the energy. So when we see, you know, difficult squares, conjunctions, oppositions from Pluto, especially to personal planets, but really to anything in the birth chart, the thing I'm always thinking about is like, how can you be a good steward of those energies and care for yourself and use that foundation to then care for others and how you impact others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, 
it kind of brings us right back around to the money piece, because you don't have a problem with vision. You don't have a problem with enthusiasm. You don't even have a problem with follow through. It's more about money specifically, right? So let me just give you a little kind of like backdrop for the past few years, and then we're going to come to present and plan for the future. Okay. So you had said when you asked your question, something to the effect of you're having a short-term, long-term problem with money. Is that, I, I'm paraphrasing. Yes. How did you yes. say it? Uh, temporarily financially challenged. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the past several years, you have been going through transits that have been so destabilizing uh, that it would impact your finances. And in particular, Neptune, as of March of 2022, just got off of your Venus. And that was a two-year period. Mm-hmm. When uh, Neptune conjoins Venus, lots of things happen. But on this topic, money tends to flow like sands through the hourglass. They just pass right through our paws. It feels impossible to hold on to resources, which as a person who already has Venus in Pisces, it's not like you were already like, you know, hoarding your ducats. So that has been happening. Now you're still going through a Neptune transit that is kind of elongating the vibe. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But before that, Neptune was squaring your Mars that you only had like a year or so, maybe two years break between those two transits. Mars is in your sixth house. So for, I would say the last five years, Mm -hmm. and there's other transits that have been occurring, but in the last five years, Neptune has been teaching you about uh, spiritual concerns, It has been teaching you about your ego, the limitations and the necessity for it. It has been teaching you all manner of things, none of which are especially material. Amongst the more common things that people experience under these influences are around money not sticking. So money might come, but there's always something that you need to put it into. It doesn't stay. Um, Health, like your psychological or physical vitality can just feel like I don't have the energy to do the things I technically know I can do or should do. Because again, Neptune is, uh, you know, if there was an anti-capitalist planet, it would be Neptune because Neptune is really just about uh, spirit and connection and that which is beyond the material. And so, yeah, you've been going through a lot of that. I want to just kind of share this with you as context for what you've been going through in the past approximately five years. It's not your whole nature. It's not your whole life. Um, although, you know, you're young enough that it probably really feels that way, but it has been a real pain in your ass and it, and it has been active. So before I kind of barrel forward, I want to ask you, did your financial temporary problems, (laughs) did they kind of kick in in the last five years? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I had the first day job that I actually leaned into and felt like I could really bring my whole self to. I was celebrated as an herbalist there. I got to teach the staff Mm. herbal medicine there. Um, And it had nothing to do with herbal medicine. They were in um, athletics. It was great. I was able to practice my medicine practice as well while I was doing that. Um, And then I was laid off in the summer of 2020 with uh, company-wide pandemic layoffs. And so after that, it really, that, that was, that was a hit for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always kept afloat, but it's been really stressful and it's, and it's particularly now really, really hard. Yeah. 
unfortunately, classic of this energy of Neptune is being laid off. Like you can't even, you know, it's not like you're being fired. There's nothing you can do. It's classic Neptune. It just pulls the rug under your feet. Um, It's just really destabilizing and it is often kind of circumstantial. So there's kind of nothing you can do getting laid off, right? Okay, so there's a lot of levels to to what we're going to talk about here, but I want to ground down because you're talking about money, but are you talking about money or are you talking about work or are you talking about career or are you talking about all three? I feel really clearly guided in and called to the work that I'm doing to, you know, what my contribution is, but I don't know any like black single parent medicine women who are doing really, really well financially. You know, I'm very clear that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing in terms of my work, my career. I guess, you know, where the question really is, is around worthiness. Mm. That's a constant healing for me is, you know, around my deservingness and my worthiness and my value. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think I can orient from here because I agree. Your sense of purpose is not the question. Mm -hmm. I personally have some questions about the execution plan strategy. I mean, come on, I'm a triple Capricorn. Of course I have questions about those things because while yes, you or any of us theoretically can have it all. Can we have it all at once is the question, right? You know, so there's like a little bit of that structure piece that I time permitting want to come to, but I want to actually start at the top of your chart again, because having the Venus midheaven North node conjunction means that you can make good money in this lifetime doing what you feel called to do. Absolutely. That's what that means. But it means that on a soul level, you don't know how to do that. And that is linked, sure, with behavior, but it is more what you're actually naming. I'm really glad that you did it. It's about worth, aka Venus. It's about value, Mm -hmm. aka Venus. It's about being aligned, period, I guess. And this is where I want to say something that I think is very important for me to contextualize. We live in capitalism. There are just a ton of mitigating factors, uh, social conditions that are outside of our control. And when I talk about money from a spiritual perspective, I feel like it can get really sticky really quickly because of that reality. So I want to say what I want to share with you is spiritual and not material. And there needs to be realistic bridges between these two things. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. So From a spiritual perspective, money is not good and money is not bad. Money is not a representation of our worth or our value. Although it is a tool that we use often against our own best judgment or against our will, but it is the tool that we use to um, articulate value, right? But it is not actually a, a metric of value. It is inert. Again, I'm just speaking spiritually because it's not in the world, in the material world, but on a spiritual level, and this is really important because of all this Pisces stuff at the top of your chart, money has no feelings for us. Money is not uh, here to say we're good or bad. Money is inert. When doing spiritual work with your relationship to finances or money, it's really important to remember that you are the organic matter in the relationship, money is not. That means that when we shift ourselves on a spiritual level in our relationship to the concept of money, 
it shifts the relationship to money. Now it doesn't change societal issues. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden anything is different in the material world, but it does shift things on a spiritual level. And with Neptune in the sixth, with this strong Pisces, you know, top of your chart, that's foundational for you. And you are somebody who has the capacity to materially manifest when your spiritual alignment is a little bit more comfortable or clear for you. Have you ever done any manifestation work or spiritual work in relationship to money? Yes. When I am um, really tending my money altar, it's flowing. Yes. Yeah. And when I'm not, and when I, when I like so busy and things and it feels stagnant, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, this is really great feedback. And it's not news to you, obviously, when you're doing the spiritual work, when you stay in alignment with yourself, Mm -hmm. there is a flow. Yes. And part of what you're telling me is that the altar that you keep is a good tool that in that it works, but it's not a great tool in that it takes a certain amount of consistency or energy or presence that is not realistic for your busy life all the damn time. Because Spiritual work on the outside often doesn't look like too much, but it is for anyone who does it. It's just, we know it is labor. It's work. One of the things that I want to check in with is, have you ever done any kind of like mantras or like prayers or any kind of repetitive, simple sentences, anything like that around money? I have a um, abundance prayer taped on the wall in my bathroom. Um, and I look at it frequently, but I don't have like a, um, a shorter saying or phrase that I can just Mm -hmm. kind of keep on my tongue. So I'm going to share with you years and years ago in the 1990s, my collaborator, Michelle T taught me this money manifestation, I guess, prayer that really changed things for me in a meaningful way. I mean, it was like a foundational thing. And then I started doing other work around it, but I'm going to share it with you. And it's really simple. And it simply goes like this. Money has a crush on me. Money wants to be around me. I like money. Money loves me. That's it. That's the whole prayer. And I want you to notice that it's silly. It's not super self-serious. It doesn't rhyme, but it's like kind of like a child's, uh, you know, rhyme. It's very simple. And I want to share this with you because part of what can happen with that Saturn in the sixth house and your son Pluto square is that it can give you a tendency to want to do the hardest possible thing mm-hmm. in order to have the deepest impact. And just mm-hmm. because it's difficult doesn't mean it's superior or more impactful. It can be playful. It can be light. It can be really easy to carry and easy to put into practice. And if you were to let it be that, all that Pisces stuff would be really happy. Uranus in the sixth house would be really happy. If you could do it quick and dirty, that Mars in the sixth house would be really happy. And so would the thing that we haven't talked about yet, which is you have a gorgeous Jupiter square to the moon. So when things have play and when you can kind of do them quickly, it really pleases your double cancer nature. You're, you have a moon and ascendant in cancer and Jupiter squares to your moon. Uh, So Jupiter's impatient. (laughs) Jupiter wants it now. And a quick and easy, uh, you know, it can be a mantra. It can be a visualization. It doesn't have to be what I've shared with you, but something quick and easy can have a really powerful impact on bringing you back into alignment. And you can then kind of connect that to your altar or not. (sighs) 
I appreciate this so much. This is, you're speaking to much of my other, much of the way that like my spiritual practice works and it's not, I'm not approaching my, my work with money this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. And because you have this North node conjunct your midheaven conjunct Venus, this struggle is your struggle. And so it does not surprise me that you're like, yeah, I totally know this. I put this into practice and then completely forget that I know this and forget to put it into practice on the thing I actually need it for the most, because that's the nodal axis. Even if you technically know better, it's a soul lesson. It's an evolutionary Mm -hmm. lesson. Mm -hmm. And so I want to really remind you to be incredibly gentle with yourself because you'll probably continue to forget to do this or find yourself making it unnecessarily complicated so that it's not sustainable because there's something within you, again, that's on a spiritual level that feels like if you keep yourself small and if you don't ask for much and you toil, it'll all come together. Yes, sadly. (laughs) It's it's the placement of your south node, but it's also that sixth house stellium. A bunch of things in your chart can reiterate this. Toiling is great. I mean, again, Capricorn, I'm going to be like toil, good toil. Toiling can be great. You know, the things you're talking about doing, they require labor. You know, they require, they require getting your hands literally dirty. That's not the problem here. It's knowing which tools are appropriate for which tasks. This is where I want to get into annoying details. So here's my question. How are you with keeping records of what you spend and what you have coming in? Horrible. (laughs) But um, my mother is really skilled at this and I've been taught to budget. You know, I know how to do it. I don't like to do it. But do you do it? No. Okay. That's (laughs) what we're talking about. So having skills, and this is the thing, like, I can't even tell you how frequently it comes up with my work, cognitively understanding things and having the capacity and then being in a place Mm -hmm. where we can access that and make that choice or completely, I mean, they're in the same book, but they're different chapters of the book, right? Like they're just different things. Neptune in the sixth house. My patented advice for this is to color code, to make your, I don't even want to call it bookkeeping, but for lack of a better way of saying it, keeping your bookkeeping very cute and very colorful so that every time, let's say we're looking at like utilities, it's always, you know, written in red or, you know, every time Mm -hmm. we're talking about like uh, money in, it's like, pick your favorite color. Now that's, if you're using something where you can manipulate the way it looks, I think you kind of have to, Um, it has to feel like a creative and spiritual project, which is why color is so important for you because you're very responsive to color. Again, Pisces at the top of the chart, Venus at the top of the chart, Neptune, where it is, even Pluto intercepted in the fifth house in Scorpio. I mean, if it doesn't feel like a creative project, you just don't have the vibe for it. Like it just, it doesn't end up making it to your to-do list. Keeps on getting Mm -hmm. pushed to tomorrow's to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. So step one is color coding or cutifying. I I color code all my like spreadsheets and everything. I love, I love it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Because you're already doing it. Um, and you use spreadsheets. Yeah. I mean, I I have budgets. I don't refer to them. I don't keep them up. Yes. 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 There's a couple things. One is grids and lists make Uranus uncomfortable. Not always, but in your chart, yes. So here's the mm-hmm. problem. You've got this Uranus-Saturn conjunction that people, you know, born in 88 have uh, mm-hmm. in the late degrees of Sagittarius. And so there's this kind of um, 
when you seek to place things on paper, like Saturn wants and, you know, in a grid or a list, Uranus is like, I feel trapped. This is stupid. And then you go off and you do your own thing. And Saturn is like, wait a minute. What about the grid that you created? What about your need to keep track of things? So Mm -hmm. there's this kind of internal tension. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I would recommend, and this is annoying on the onset and not annoying in the long term. Okay. So short-term discomfort, it's having one credit card that you exclusively use for business-related expenses. So you don't have to keep much track of it. Mm-hmm. Has that ever, is that something you've ever done? No, it's not, but it's, it's something I've always wanted to do and known that I should be doing. So mm-hmm. that is one way of doing it. And then what I would recommend is scheduling once a month where you indulge and you buy yourself a takeout meal that you truly enjoy. Or you make yourself something if you like to cook. I don't know. People, you're, you've got a moon in cancer. Maybe you like cooking. Mm-hmm. And you like make it a whole event. Very Venus and Pisces. Like grapes and wine or whatever that version is for you. And then you go through that debit card and you just like pop things in the cutified place. Does that seem like it's realistic for you? Oh, like make a date? Yes. Around it? Oh, yeah. that's sweet. And make yeah. it romantic. Like buy yourself a meal have a nice drink. Like this is your moment to spoil yourself because what you're doing is investing in your abundance, not managing your finances, not handling your annoying spreadsheets. You have a date with abundance and like touching your resources is a good way of doing that. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's a reframe (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it is going to be difficult to actually do at first because it's a little like setting your alarm 10 minutes fast or whatever, you know, it's 10 minutes fast. So you're kind of like trying to manipulate yourself, but it actually will work for you because it is a form of energy work that you're doing with yourself as well as material uh, maintenance. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. The other thing that I like to do is whenever I spend money, whether it's, you know, with a card or cash, whatever, if I'm at the grocery store and I am, you know, paying somebody and the person who's taking my money is not getting my money, right? Like whoever owns the grocery store is getting it. But I like to, whenever I have an exchange of resources, set a quick little prayer or a quick little intention to say, may we both be touched by abundance through this exchange. Like, I Mm -hmm. I just like to have it be, uh, a spiritual energy work moment while I'm paying. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm not paying a person who actually is handling the cash, which is often the case, this again, brings a little bit more zhuzh and a little bit more intention and more magic into the mundane and often demoralizing things that we end up doing day to day with money. That is really good for somebody as spiritual as you and somebody who works with energy as much as you. Again, it's not going to change the late stage capitalism. It's not, you know, going to miracle miraculously make racism and institutionalize racism go away. But it is going to shift energetically so much for you. The way that your chart is written, again, you could have a lot of money. Like a lot well, of money. that's lovely to hear. It's not bad, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm glad you say that's lovely to hear because here's the, the thing that sucks about it. I look at your birth chart. You've got, we look to the second house for your personal finances, right? We have Leo on the second house cusp. So we look mm-hmm. to the ruling planet, which is the sun. So you've got the sun in Aquarius squared to Pluto, right? So I say you could have a lot of money and there is a part of you. What with that sun Pluto square? That's like, fuck yeah, I want a lot of money. 
And then I'm willing to wager that there is a part of you that says, no, I do not want a lot of money. Having a lot of money is bad. People who have a lot of money are bad or something to that effect. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Um, what I did feel, um, uh, the next thing that, that came to mind was, yeah, it was definitely a, oh, it's not for me. It's not like I want a whole lot of money for me. It's like, I have big visions. I want to reroute the money. I want, I want the money to be able to experience healing and, you know, being utilized in being, being decolonized, being utilized in ways that are actually beneficial to the land and not extractive. I want us all to experience this new relationship with money. So, you know, I'm, that's where I go. I'm like, I want, I want, yes, that's possible. That's amazing. And it's not for me though. Right. Okay. So let's stay with that. Let's stay with that because in an analytic way, what you're saying is great. When we're thinking about it in the context of social justice, what you're saying is my dream. I love it. But when we actually look at your money issues, the problem is I say you can have a lot of money and you're like, sure, but it's not for me. And Mm -hmm. that is a distancing and it is a, a kind of embodiment of it's not for me. And yes, there's so many great reasons why you're saying it's not for you. And I don't want to take that from you, but I want to stay with if the first thoughts or feelings that emerge are distancing yourself from the ownership of it. Now we're back to that thing I mentioned of the sun Pluto square, which is stewardship. If Mm -hmm. you make money, if you manifest money, if you earn money, if you fall into money, whatever it is, it is yours to steward. So it's yours is part of that sentence, Mm. you know? So what you intend to do in your stewardship of that money is the next chapter of this book. I want to say, keep this into its own unique chapter of your willingness Mm. and ability to manifest, hold and steward and to trust that you have the capacity to make that, that kind of consideration. Because so much of what we see is people manifest money and they decide that they're very good at being the steward of money. And then I don't think they're great at it. You know, maybe you don't think they're great at it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's like a hubris of like, well, I should command a lot and I should be able to do whatever I want with it. I know that I'll make good choices. And this is what I was kind of getting at, which is I say to you that I see in your chart that you can make a lot of money. And that sun Pluto square gets triggered by that because of a fear of abusing power, a fear of shining too brightly, being too successful um, Mm -hmm. is like, you know, the tales of the coin of not shining brightly enough and not being successful enough. It's, you know, heads, tails, same coin. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you the homework to practice making really simple statements of I want to manifest a lot of money or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be that specific statement, but practice being in alignment or recognizing where you're not in alignment with ownership because money, you have to own the money in order to spend the money and make the good choices with the money. Does Mm -hmm. this make sense? Yes. What comes up around it? The crushing reality of uh, poverty. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And relief because I was totally doing the, like the most difficult thing is going to be the most effective thing. And, and it's relieving to hear that that's, you know, to be reminded that's not true. Yeah. It's not, if I can, and please tell me if this is, if this is right, but what I was seeing as I was just saying what I was saying, and I was looking at you energetically, what I was seeing is that your brain stayed online hundred percent. 
you know, talk, talk, talk brain. Um, but energetically, it felt like you were kind of like pulling into a deeper part of yourself, um, kind of like pulling back in a way and pulling into yourself. Does that mm-hmm. make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to stay with that for a moment. There is this thing around power and having power and using power that pretty much all of your chart is not super comfortable with, but your sun Pluto square demands. It kind of demands. So it's a difficult thing for you because what I'm talking about is not just, you know, spiritually aligning with the concept of money or building a business and a life around being in community and supporting people, using your resources in a way that holds people up and not pushes them down. Like all of that, you and I could talk about for hours and have a really interesting conversation about it. But I think you've had those conversations a lot with yourself and with others. The thing that I think is that I'm kind of seeing here is your own issues, whether it's fear, resistance, judgment, whatever it is, with being in power and misusing that power or having that power turned against you. It's like the more you have, the more you have to lose kind of thing. Does that, does that resonate? It does. Yeah, it does. I mean, um, I think about shame-based teachings and culture in like Catholic school upbringing. Mm. And then I think about, yeah, just always being in a world where I understood that power and authority, or I saw power and authority being something that is not for me. And that isn't, you know, and not in a, not in a open and collectively visible way, not in an easily accessible way. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. So what I want to bring you into then is understanding that you coming into your own alignment with your ability and willingness to manifest abundance for your community, but for yourself, for yourself, being in alignment with that is breaking through all manner of shit, obviously, but it's also encircled within your service. Does this make sense? Yes. Because all this Piscean stuff in your chart, just doing it for yourself is really challenging. And, you know, when I just named doing it just for yourself, you kind of are like, yeah, but so that I can use it for others. Mm -hmm. And that said, when you see other people that you can personally identify with who have made money for themselves and are doing good with that money, that's like a fucking revelation, right? Like that's incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. So remembering those models and allowing yourself to step into a space where you can be that model for someone else. Mm-hmm. That's going to make it a lot easier for you to manifest than being fixated on, I don't want it for me, I want it for someone else. Mm-hmm. Because wanting it for you is its own form of activism. Mm-hmm. It, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And, and also on a spiritual level, it's kind of foundational to not just having money flow, but to stay in your pool. Right. Because you've had Mm -hmm. money flow towards you and then it just pops out of the pool. Mm -hmm. So you need it to stay by being aligned with it. So, my dear, we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking a little bit about the pragmatics, a lot about the spiritual. I want to see if you have any questions or if there's anything I kind of didn't get to anything like that. Um, our, our goal is to open on August 1st, Temple of Earth. Hopefully we'll have the keys by July 1st and spend the first month 
you know, so you building out the space. And then, yeah, we do it. We have a space. Say the address um, of the space. Um, 1757 Alcatraz in Berkeley. Oh, that's such a cute space. It's it is. hippie vibes. Yeah, totally. So when I look at the space energetically, it does need work eh, to convert it into what you need it to be. Yes, there are aesthetic changes. There might be something you end up doing with one of the bathrooms or that you need to do with one of the bathrooms. There's, it looks like there's some time and, and some money that'll need to go into the, the space. And so I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any people in the team who are good at that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I would definitely- I have a carpenter who I was dating, ah. slash kind of van, okay. and who's um, yeah, been helping a lot. And are, are they willing to continue to help with this stuff? It appears so. Mm-hmm. What's their name? Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's free. It's all connected to my love. I know situation. I'm seeing that. It's, it's like, this does not look uncomplicated. But yeah. It does look like they're willing to help um, at this yeah. moment. I mean, I feel like that could change, but it feels like they're willing to help. And mm-hmm. so that's really good. The space. Okay. The space that I'm looking at energetically is a good one for your business. It needs a ton of energy clearing before you start to do work in it. So I'm assuming yes. you already have that planned, eh? Yes. Yes. I've definitely been feeling that way. And I've had a lot of folks step forward and offer to, to help with that too. Great. I'm so glad to hear that. I would recommend you taking the time leading up to, you know, when you get the keys to think about what kind of money, magic, uh, energy flow, manifestation, intention you want to place within the space Mm -hmm. and to think of it as not just doing it for you in your relationship to the business, because obviously I think you're already planning on doing that and you're already doing that, but to do it for the physical space Mm -hmm. so that she herself is a place where abundance lives. And so Mm -hmm. when people come into the Mm -hmm. space, they are, uh, in this space of abundance and flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, again, doing this, bringing a little more zhuzh and ease and playfulness to the money component of this will really help you. Uh, it'll really help you. And it's something that you can tweak over the course of time. Like if you have a shit month financially, you might need to really tweak it, you know? Um, hold on. And are you working within a collective? Yes. Mm-hmm. How many people are in that group? Well, right now it's, it's a group of volunteers. There's, there's like three, four people who've been really like showing up ev- to everything and really, really helping. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like formal volunteers who have like, you know, offered formally to volunteer. There's, there's, I think eight, okay. uh, but then there's, there's a lot of community um, okay, and folks who've been in this so visioning with me for years. The four people I'm seeing four or five that it looks like, so I don't know if it's, I'm seeing practitioners that you're going to be working with or what Mm -hmm. exactly it is that I'm seeing here. Um, Have you ever managed people? Yes, I have. Okay. Are you comfortable with it? Um, Yes and no. I, when I, when I, yeah, I mean, I used to be a classroom teacher. It can really naturally manage people and I lean on transparency and vulnerability and like discipline isn't my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially with but, adults, but I'm also actually really, really good at it. Okay. Um, great. Because I can yeah, talk to people's hearts. So what I want to encourage you to do, and this is very Capricorn shit here. So bear with me, but mm-hmm. you have a descendant in Capricorn. So mm-hmm. what I want to encourage you to do before doors open is to just write out a few notes somewhere of like what it is that you're offering and what it is that you require from 
colleagues, people using the space in a particular way, people who work for you, whatever it is. It's, I call it like rights, uh, rights and responsibilities list, the R&R, um, mm-hmm. so that it's not personal to the people you're dealing with in the situations you're in, but instead you're coming up with kind of like, um, like this is how this business is run. And just so you know, mm-hmm. I'm always going to do X for you, but I'm going to require you to do Y. And if that doesn't work for you, we can talk about that before you begin. Something to make it, um, to de-emphasize the difficult parts and kind of lead with not just your heart, but organization. Because again, a lot of Pisces up there at the top of your chart. So you do mm-hmm. need to lead with a bit more organization that is completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that those are great conversations to begin in email so that you can copy and paste things whenever new people come on board. Again, it's not so personal. What happens after those agreements are made, that can be personal. But the initial kind of establishing, like, this is what I'm offering, this is what I'm requiring, yes. isn't personal. And it needs to not be personal, hence email. Also, email is more litigious and you're running a business and it's, you're the one who's paying the rent. So you do have to do that. Again, your son Pluto square cringes, but here we are. Yes, this is, yes. I, I had intended to do, I was thinking of a way more complicated system, but yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's great. So, and this is a really great, I'm so glad that we're, we got to this because I think that the harder things are for you and the more like annoying the task is your tendency is to make it much more complicated Mm-hmm. Um, again, Pluto is just like, if it's complicated, it's deep. If it's complicated, it'll work. But that's not inherently true, like at all. It can be simple and easy for you to execute and be more impactful. When you deal with the essential, uh, the, the kind of like essential, most important thing, and you don't mm-hmm. allow lots of other distractions to exist, you can just be more impactful. Yes. That's, yes. that's the thing. So this brings me to the final thing I want to name, which is that you have Neptune conjunct the midheaven right now. It's a two-year-long transit. The kind of like opening your dream business during this transit is not super uncommon. The real risk here is that Neptune always teaches us boundaries. And with what you're doing, you're going to need a bazillion boundaries in a bazillion Mm -hmm. ways, right? Mm -hmm. And so I do want to encourage you to cover your ass. Financially and in all ways. It is mm-hmm. it is actually your spiritual lesson at this mm-hmm. time. It's mm-hmm. I cannot stress the importance enough. And if a risk, a financial risk, feels too great to take, don't take it. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you've got really good intuition, but it's about slowing down to receive that intuition so you can mm-hmm. decipher your intuition from from like your impulse, mm-hmm. which is not yes. as reliable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Within that, bear with me. Say the name of your business one more time. Temple of Earth Apothecary. Do you have a business plan? Yes, I do. It's like somewhat rough. The financial projections could be more uh, specific. Mm -hmm. Have you asked for help on this? Yes. Okay. And have you gotten good help? I need more help. I think so too. And what I think you need help, the kind of person you need help from is somebody who keeps things really simple, like lean into your Capricorn descendant here. You're set with the Virgo vibes. You need the cat vibes mm. on this one or, or Taurian vibes. Um, mm. Although I think Taurus energy is a little harder for you as an Aquarius. So you would have the easiest time, honestly, with, with Capricorn vibes on this one. Somebody who can just be like structured. Yes. Uh, just to give you a structure. That's what mm-hmm. you can help with. Mm-hmm. You're going to filling it in. You'll, you'll overfill it, but like 
you, <laughs> I'll need a little help with like simplifying and making more efficient your structures. So that's right. the thing I would, I would point you towards there because when mm-hmm. I look at your business energetically, it's like, I can see, you know how, if you ever burn smoke in a space, the smoke will like, and you burn a ton of it, it'll, it'll fill up the space, like from the middle of the room up to the ceiling, but it won't, it won't go below. It only goes above. Mm -hmm. That's what the, the business looks like. Like you've all these great ideas from the waist up, but I'm not seeing as much of that, like nitty gritty, annoying, like the roots aren't like, they're not like down, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I also feel it energetically that way. Yeah. So, uh, all to say, okay, this actually might help you. Uh, cause you draw. Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. So I'm interested in, could you pick a plant that feels appropriate, draw it from the top of its petals or whatever leaves down to like draw the, the roots. And then from there, kind of like family tree, it like make a diagram of like, okay, so like the making of the money, the building of the community is like all the flower petals, right? It's like the, the, the fruit, the leaves, whatever it is. And then the roots are what no one can really see. It's beneath the surface. It's the infrastructure of your business. It's your finances. Uh, it's your ability and willingness to save money, not to hoard it, but so that you can be safe, so that you can be abundant, so that you can invest in things as they emerge, right? So naming like kind of connecting it to, uh, to a plant might really help to align you energetically and, uh, again, make it both spiritual, but also keep you locked into the material. Does, does that seem like something you could work with? Yeah, definitely. I can, I can, I would, I, I'll do that. I love that. Great. Good. And, and if you have somebody who's like the right kind of person, which, you know, maybe it's a unicorn, but somebody who can help you create a structure acknowledging that this is you're a very visual processor and this is like you know you need a structure that works with your flower point (laughs) basically uh that that can really help you it needs to remain somewhat playful and always pretty spiritual but that doesn't mean not materially resourced and structured and uh dependable they they can be married for you and i think that that's where your your success really will kind of be abundant, you know, where it's where you will be abundant. Okay. Those are the things that I felt really called to say, again, I'm going to ask one last time. Did we nail everything? Do you have a final question? The energetic exercises, I will do them. And it's what I'm, what I'm feeling most grateful for from them right now is calling to attention to the need for me to merge the big, beautiful visions, which is where I like to reside with the nitty gritty, which I, you know, do and know I need to do, but like, it's a very different me. And it's a very different part of me that engages with that. Part of doing the spiritual work, because that's really what we're focused on in our conversation today. Mm -hmm. um, Part of doing the spiritual work is about acknowledging that you're not trying to control outcomes. It's more that you're trying to align yourself with your highest truth, with abundance, with highest service. And life is really fucking hard. Life is hard now. We're still living through a pandemic. Like there's a million things going on. But I do think that for you, hold on, let me just ground this. Your energy soars up 
And you're like, I can manifest all these magical, amazing things. I can revision how the world can be. I can bring people together. Yes, fucking yes, 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 yes. And then it kind of, it, it, it like crashes down uh, and is easily weighted by the omnipresent realities of this world and of life and of your life. And so, so first of all, I want to just acknowledge that that is part of what's happening here. Does that make sense? Yes. A thousand percent. Yeah. Some of that is just how you feel. Right. And it doesn't need to change. I mean, it's not awesome when it feels like shit and it's wonderful when it feels great, but some of that is just, you know, you're in life and this is how it feels. And so how do you support, tend to care for yourself? How do you ask for care from others around the feels? Again, you're a double cancer, so this is not news to you that you have a lot of emotions and you know, you'll, you'll deal with them. But the part that I want to focus on is recognizing that when we're doing manifestation work and we're, we're trying to get into alignment with ourselves, most of us do what we're talking about here. We either are in a state of, yes, I know I can create this. This is going to be magic or no reality is too hard. Uh, I'm too far from my goals. I don't have the energy to do it. We tend to be in the high yes or the low no. I have been feeling like I am, I'm in the middle and I'm bringing them, I'm, I'm in the wholeness of it all. And I'm, you know, when, when things are materially really hard, I still miraculously am feeling tapped into trust. And that's been over the last few years, more and more and more the experience. Um, yeah. But there are these two extremes for sure. Yeah. And so that thing that you're talking about, like even your energy, as you just said this, like it came back up and this is, you know, not necessarily true for all people at all times, but this is you. This is what's true for you. When you remember that you are a spiritual being and you actually have spiritual resources and that you're connected to a larger, like the, the, the largeness of life, like a larger picture, nature, spirituality, whatever, however it frames for you, you have your energy back. So you don't always feel better all the time, but you feel more whole and more yourself. The key here is, and you know, I see this for you as like a wave, like, you know, an ocean wave, a big ocean wave. So this metaphor that I'm going to use is not perfect because it's very oceanic for you, but what you need is a, a bridge or a ladder between the low, low, low and the high, 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 because otherwise you're just going to kind of crash and ebb and flow and crash and ebb and flow. And it's exhausting. I mean, you don't need that. Mm -hmm. I think for you, it is simple spiritual uh, reminders. So like easy mantras, not complicated ones you have to read. Ways of doing a reset to connect with your guidance. And you can use, of course, like plant medicines or whatever as a way to do that as well. Like you have so many resources. I feel like I don't really need to tell you what to do. You have so many resources, but it's about automating and having like three to five that you routinely pull from, not 12. 12 is too many. You won't remember. Five is pushing it. You know, three to five, I feel like is the sweet spot where you've got some variety, but not so many options that you're like, I don't know what to do in this moment. You need it to be super fucking easy and mm -hmm. automatic. So when you mm -hmm. start to hit that low, you can be like, okay, well, these are my emotions. And also I've lost kind of a sense of connection to my guidance. Yes. Yeah. It's a gratitude practice has been really, really helpful. Like writing gratitudes at the end of the day. Great. And within that, it is easy to be grateful for that, which we have evidence for. 
You know, I, you've, you've got $5 in your pocket. You can be grateful for those $5. It's, it's not that hard. I mean, it's not always that easy, but it's, it's not that hard. What's truly challenging is to be in a state of receptivity and abundance when you literally don't have abundance, when you materially look around and you, you have struggle. Right. And I'm not a fan of being like, just align with it and it'll come. Like that's not, even though in some ways that's what I'm saying, I don't really think pretending that shit isn't shitty is a great strategy for anything. But I think that for you, your energy is so affected by how you feel and you have a way that you, when you start to resonate with that low, with like the lack of evidence of things working, you start manifesting very quickly more evidence of what isn't working. It's something to explore because what can shift there is the narrative that you tell yourself in the moments that you're overwhelmed with emotion. By shifting that narrative, you are just taking care of yourself. And I'm not saying tell yourself you have abundance when you don't have abundance, because that's ridiculous. But instead to say, right now I'm struggling and I know I'm on this larger path and I have greater resources than that, which I can see. And I'm I'm going to stay with that, with the uncertainty of what comes next could just as easily be positive as negative, whatever it is. Like I'm giving you a script. It's not a great one, but like you can play with this. Keeping it simple is really valuable for you, but also recognizing where your energy goes and how narratives follow that the energy is really helpful for integrating your spiritual practices into mundane, boring, annoying life, um, which I think is very effective for you not, not for everybody, but again, for you, this really works, which makes sense because you're building a spiritual business and your life is really a spiritual path. I appreciate all of this, all of these tools and tips. I'm excited to listen again and not overdo and not over complicate. <laughs> Don't be mean to yourself if, if you forget this, because you'll for sure forget this. Like again, sun square Pluto, it's kind of your birthright to forget not to overcomplicate things. You just want to like gently reset, bring yourself back. How can I be a good steward of this energy? Like make that a question you return to. It'll help because you're great at being a steward of energy when you set that intention. That's like Mm -hmm. your jam. COVID-19 is raging again and healthcare workers need our support. Consider donating to Emotional PPE at emotionalppe.org. They're an organization that provides any worker in healthcare impacted by COVID-19 free mental health services with licensed therapists. Another way you can help is by donating to your local general hospital's spiritual care department and to earmark that donation for staff support. Give what you can. We've got a lot to talk about in this week's horoscope, but I would be remiss if I said nothing about the world, um, because, of course, it is eclipse season. (laughs) Things are really activated in terms of how we feel and what we do and don't do, how we respond to what's happening is very consequential individually and as a collective. 
we are going through the Pluto return of the United States. We are also going through a whole host of things uh, that describe global conditions. But part of the Pluto return of the United States has to do with how we show up on the international stage, how other nations feel about us, how we have impacted other nations over the course of time, and how we are continuing to participate you know, as, as a nation. So there's a lot in there. I don't want to focus on the world too much because there's too much emotional astrology going on this this particular week. But I do feel that I have to say this. In the United States, we have had equal taxation without equal representation, which is patently undemocratic for the whole time, (laughs) for the whole time that this nation has existed. It is absolutely 100% not democratic to deny people body autonomy. It's a form of violence. The U.S. government and so much of the United States media is discussing calmly the hate crime that the United States government is seeking to perpetrate against more than 50% of the population. This is outrageous. This is, you know, shocking, but it's not even remotely surprising. And it's not new. If you are outraged, if you are heartbroken, these things are very normal and healthy responses. But I want to urge you to pair it with action. And if you are new to activism and don't really know what to do, I will say what I have said a million times on the podcast, which is fall in line. Find people and organizations that are already making change, that are already in the movement. You do not need to invent the wheel here. It's already been invented. Get behind people who are leading movements, who are community builders, and support them in any way that you can. The thing about Pluto and this particular transit is it confronts us with our survival mechanisms, our fears around whether or not we'll survive, whether or not we'll be safe. And when we're in our flight or fight mechanisms, when we're in Plutonian vibes, is when we tend to show our ass. And that's because when you feel personally threatened is when most of us in most situations feel most entitled to do shitty things or selfish things uh, because we're so terrified, because we're scared. And as individuals, this is true. And as a collective, this is true. That's why mobs are dangerous, you know, because fear can be quite contagious, just like hate. So, Make sure that the ways in which you are responding to your reactions are in alignment with the building of the world that you want to be living in. This Pluto return, it it was always going to be scary and it was always going to be violent, right? We all knew that. Anyone who's been listening to Ghost of a Podcast or following astrologers who talk about the Pluto return, we all knew that. So instead of freaking out, could this possibly be happening? or catastrophizing and saying, this is the apocalypse, it's the end of days. Instead of these things, which are perfectly reasonable emotional responses, uh, but, but they're not actually that helpful, do your best to identify, this is what's happening. Can I accept that this is what's happening? Not consent, not, not consent, but can I accept that this is what's happening? And if the answer becomes yes, then you can say, all right, then what actions will I take? What can I do? And not just do for me not just do for me? What can I do for us? Because when our thinking, when our coalitions, when our actions are not intersectional, 
when they are not inclusive of many different kinds of bodies and lived experiences. They either fail or are just inherently unfair and therefore not effective. So we've got to deal with that and, and deal with that in our own ways as individuals, but also we need to come together as a collective to deal with that. And that's a huge part of the Pluto return, my loves. That's where we are. Ringing of the hands, there's a time and a place for it. But if we spend too much time in that place, it's a missed opportunity. Okay, so let's get into your horoscope. This week, as you know, Mercury is retrograde. It went retrograde on the 10th. How's it been going? Have you noticed any technical problems? I have. I feel like there's a lot of technical problems. This is kind of a messy Mercury retrograde. And for some people, that's going to feel extra emo. I mean, it's an eclipse season, so there's that as well. But this particular Mercury retrograde can have people feeling emotional, especially if you get easily flustered by things going sideways or not according to plan. There's a way that miscommunications and misunderstandings during this Mercury retrograde can really trigger identity issues. And so this is a really important time to stay connected to the rule of rees and to continue to do the introspective work of reviewing, not replaying, just reviewing, so that you can recalibrate in the ways that are necessary. And you don't need anything to happen quickly, but you do want to be kind of oriented in that direction. So that's just a, a fancy reminder. It's Mercury retrograde. It's a pain in the ass and a great opportunity to get to know yourself better and to make internal shifts that will help your life get better, even if not in the short term, because just because you're doing the inner work doesn't mean Mercury retrograde magically goes away. And that brings us, my loves, to the first very important transit to talk about, and that's the damn eclipse on the 15th. As you know, we have a lunar eclipse in Scorpio at 9.14 p.m. Pacific time. And as always, if you are interested in tracking the transits on your own, I do invite you to check out Astrology for Days at astrologyfordays.com. It's my web-based transit tracking app, and it allows you to, amongst many other things, adjust the time zone so you know exactly what time transits are happening, where you live, or where you're traveling to. Okay. So this eclipse is happening 9.14 p.m. Pacific, May 15th, and there's a lot to say. So let's start at the beginning. A lunar eclipse happens on a full moon. It is a full moon that instead of only impacting us for about a month, the effects of it play out over the course of six months. So it's, it's a much bigger deal than just a regular full moon event. And it's in Scorpio. We've got the moon at 25 degrees of Scorpio and the sun at 25 degrees of Taurus. And so the tension between the moon in Scorpio and the sun in Taurus has so much to do with intensity. You know, Scorpio just wants to be able to feel what it feels in a deep way and to be able to do whatever it wants around that. So again, we're talking about a couple of fixed signs here. But the energies of Scorpio are, I want to be able to retreat if I need to retreat. I want to be intense with you and I want to go deep with you if that's what I need. And then Taurus is a lot more diplomatic. It's much more people pleasing. And so the tension between what I feel I need and how I feel I must behave is a big theme with this chart. Now let's add to that, that the North Node is conjoined the sun. The north node is at 22 degrees of Taurus while the sun is at 25. So it's not exact, but it's quite tight. And this intensifies the need for releasing. 
And when I say releasing, this could play out in a lot of different ways for different people. It may be releasing the need to be liked or to be easy or digestible for other people. It may mean uh, needing to release your attachment to identity in some way, in some way that's actually holding you back or that you've outgrown. Now, the fact that the south node is conjoined to the moon is absolutely worth noting because it means uh, going deep into those Scorpio energies. In other words, the shadow side of Scorpio, we're talking about resentments, we're talking about pettiness, we're talking about being punishing, uh, self-harming or harming others out of a fuck you vibe or a petty vibe. We want to really be aware of those feelings, of those energies rippling through us if they do. And to the best of our ability, make better choices, right? So we can't control our reactions. Our emotions are what they are, but we do have agency in how we respond to our reactions. It certainly doesn't always feel like it, but, but we do. And so this is a really important component of this particular lunar eclipse. Let's add to that. This square to Saturn, in other words, this T-square to Saturn, really intensifies that feeling of being confronted, confronted by circumstances, feeling limited by authorities, reality, obligation, that kind of stuff. Saturn is scarcity-minded by nature. And so when we have an eclipse or a full moon that is pointing towards Saturn, What's happening is that our scarcity mindedness, our fears, our desire to fit in uh, or to kind of be perceived as important and powerful kind of heads or tails of that coin get really intensified. And unfortunately, along with that uh, can come depressiveness. Again, it's a scarcity minded thing. So a lot of people are going to be feeling really activated by this eclipse. And within that, your circumstances may be doing a pretty good job of leaning on you. So we can look at the world and be like, uh, yeah, all of our circumstances. Or, you know, it might be very personal to you in your personal life. And in any case, again, I want to come back to responsibility, which is, you know, a boner killer word for a lot of people, refers really to the ability to respond. That's what responsibility is. It's the ability to respond and to respond with maturity, with integrity uh, and consideration, right? That's what Saturn wants from us. And so that's a really important theme to keep track of this eclipse season and certainly on and around the 15th. Because this lunar eclipse is happening on uh, May 15th at 9.14 p.m. Pacific, if you're on the East Coast or if you're across the pond, then yeah, it's going to be happening on the 16th. But you can figure that part out. Okay, coming back. There's a few other things that are really important to name, such as on this very day, uh, we have a sun sextile to Neptune that is exact. And that's in addition to the exact square between the sun and Saturn. So the moon Sun and Saturn are all exactly square to each other. The Sun is exactly sextile to Neptune. And we have an exact conjunction between Venus and Chiron in Aries. In addition to that, we've got a Mars-Neptune conjunction. It is not exact on this date. It is exact on the 17th, but it is very strong and it is building towards the 17th. And so what's it all mean? I shall tell you. 
The sun sextile to Neptune uh, is a lovely aspect in this chart that is letting us know that if we are willing and able to be empathetic, to be generous, to allow our spirituality, and that can be for you super woo, super religious. It can be more about the arts and creativity, uh, nature, right? It doesn't have to be any one thing. No one version of spirituality is deemed better than another. But I digress. The sun sextile to Neptune is a really good time for resourcing our spirituality. What gives us a legit sense of connection to that sense of more, sense of meaning. And the sun is also sextile to Mars. Now, this transit is not exact on this day, but it's absolutely happening. And this is mobilizing. It's catalyzing and really useful for all this kind of harder energy. The Venus-Chiron conjunction is a confrontation with our values. But again, our values in the context of wounding because it's Chiron. So you can see how this all makes sense in American politics with what is happening uh, with Roe v. Wade and the potential seemingly imminent loss of the right to privacy. Uh, this is an embodiment or articulation of our values as a nation or our government's values for us being inherently wounded and patriarchal because that's part of the Chiron story. On a personal level, this is an opportunity. I mean, albeit an uncomfortable one, but this is an opportunity to get present with what isn't working whether it's in your own behavior, your attitudes, your life, uh, your choices, whatever it is, right? To be able to align with that so that you can determine what, if anything, needs to be done around it. And this isn't the time for action. Again, eclipses are not when we do major actions, ideally, certainly not spirit major spiritual actions. If you're a person who does basic spiritual maintenance as just like your lifestyle, continue, do as you were. But when we're talking about trying to manifest, control, direct, uh, make happen, that's what we want to avoid during these eclipses. And in particular, this eclipse, definitely avoid, avoid button. Don't do it. Uh, this is not a time to make things happen or try to direct energy or contain energy. Certainly avoid uh, consciousness raising drugs or drugs in general if you can. And that is because of the eclipse, but also the Mars-Neptune conjunction bear with me, I'll get there. Okay, coming back to the Venus-Chiron conjunction, I want to just kind of acknowledge that Chiron only kicks up issues with things that are deep wounding, that come from systems, whether it's like our family systems, you know, our inherited conditions, or the systems of the society that we are uh, living in or that we were reared in. It's deep shit, and it's difficult to deal with stuff. Now, on top of it, it's a full moon in fucking Scorpio, right? And Saturn is involved. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here that is likely to be very emotional, and it is not reliably what it seems. This is a moment to really pay attention to the difference between a trigger and a trauma. Because when old traumas are triggered, it can feel as bad as the initial trauma felt. It can feel really terrible. But when a situation or a person is triggering us, that is very different than that person or situation harming us. Even though we feel bad, there's a massive difference. And it's not that it's less valid or less real. It's just a different thing and it takes a different remediation. All to say, this aspect, especially in the context of this lunar eclipse chart, is likely to kick up 
major tension, both internally and potentially in your relationships, because it's Venus, right? Now, the next thing I want to speak to here is that Mars-Neptune conjunction. This is a difficult aspect. It's a difficult transit. And I'll talk about it a little bit more after the lunar eclipse chart. But in the context of this lunar eclipse chart, it is confusing and demoralizing and can lead to real defensiveness from people or a sense of demoralization. So we're going to have some people responding to this eclipse in a really aggressive way, and others will experience it a lot more martyry and victim-y. It may be truly that you are uh, victimized or harmed in some way, or it may be that that's the trigger right? Uh, In either case, it may be difficult to identify where you begin and end, where your rights begin and end, or what to do about a trespass, or what to do if you feel helpless or demoralized. It's a very difficult transit, and it's a difficult transit in the context of this particular eclipse. And this bit of data uh, is another level of expressing why this eclipse is such a spiritual experience, right? Because the Mars-Neptune conjunction are very much about spirituality and about the need to connect with something greater than one's ego. The Scorpio full moon, the Scorpio eclipse, again, very deep spiritual, emotional content there. But there's a real conflicting energy that we're dealing with. And that conflicting energy can intensify defensiveness. It can have us in our corners feeling so uh, threatened and so at risk that we act out and we behave poorly, right? This is, again, where we show our ass. And so it's important to remember this eclipse season and in general, right, in these trying times, that it is how we show up. It's how we behave in times of stress and struggle, when we are at risk, when we see that others are at risk, that defines us. It's easy to be generous uh, when everything's going your way. And when you feel fucked up, and when circumstances are fucked up, is when it's most important to, but also often most difficult to, be generous and open-minded in your thinking, to embody your spiritual values in practice when things are rough is a real challenge, but that's why we even pursue spirituality. Whatever it is that's going on now is important, right? Whatever's going on in the world, whatever's going on in your personal life, it's all really important and consequential and will be kind of uh, unraveling itself and playing itself out over the next six months. But the situations and the details themselves, as important as they are, in a way, are not the thing to get too focused on. It's more how we show up emotionally, right? Uh, Because it's a lunar event. So really, again, make sure that you are doing your best to act from your wisest and healthiest places, especially when shit goes sideways. And sideways, it may go. Okay, now let's go to our next exact transit. On the 17th, we have that Mars conjunction to Neptune in Pisces that I mentioned. So Mars is the planet that governs ego, and Neptune is egolessness. And so when the two planets sit on top of each other, it's confusing. It's overwhelming. It can be uh, exhausting, like literally you may be feeling physically or psychologically uh, exhausted or tired. And while it's exact on the 17th, we're feeling this all week easily. 
this transit can create some sense of uh, like a hypersensitivity where you might just be feeling touchy or a little, again, defensive, or you may be dealing with other people who are feeling this way. It may be that you're feeling like easily embarrassed or quick to tears around this transit. It's also very possible that you will idealize people and situations. This is a tricky dynamic, right? Unfortunately, in the larger context of what I've been talking about since the, you know, I dropped the year ahead horoscope, which BT dubs, if you haven't heard yet, is absolutely worth listening to. Um, the religious extremism that Jupiter in Pisces tends to bring is intensified with this Mars-Neptune conjunction, right? Because when people have fixed religious beliefs, especially extreme religious beliefs, and then Mars comes and sits on top of Neptune, they feel this uh, entitlement or this duty to take arms for what they believe in. And the worst, the most atrocious of human behavior has been defended by and emboldened by religion and religious beliefs. This is a really important time to make sure that your religious beliefs or your spiritual beliefs uh, are not entitling you to think that you're better than other people or that your rights are more valid than other people. And I imagine we will see a lot of bullshit uh, from religious extremists uh, this week and in particular on and around this date. It is important if you are hooking up with other people, and I'm talking about sex, if you're hooking up with other people uh, this week and certainly around this date to have safer sex, have safer sex. And I mean that in a physical way, you know, with all the things we know, but all the ways that we can have safer sex. But also I mean that spiritually, because the risk with this transit is that we idealize people and situations. We decide that they're perfect or that we're not good enough. Neptune has a really devotional way of loving and liking. And so if you know somebody's not really good for you, they're not really healthy, this is not the time for a quick and easy uh, hookup. Nothing's quick and easy this week, my loves. Nothing. So make sure that if you're doing a thing, that you're doing it in a way that is safe and healthy. If this particular transit hits your birth chart directly, uh, it can intensify, you know, allergies or sensitivities of the body. It can intensify a feeling, again, of exhaustion or demoralization, uh, that kind of stuff. This is not forever. But if your energy is low, if your vitality feels low, that means it needs nurturance right? This is a terrible, whenever we go through Neptune transits, uh, global Neptune transits, and especially Neptune transits to the birth chart, uh, it's when we want to avoid fasting, any kind of fasting, right? We want to fortify the system. So this is a really powerful time for fortifying your body, fortifying your spirit, and fortifying your mind. If you can do things to fortify the world, if you have the energy for that, again, great timing for that. Neptune is a planet that reiterates our interconnection, how we are all siblings or cousins, right? Mars is all about me. It's like, this is what I want. It's mine. Give it to me. I'm going to take that for me. But Neptune is like, if it's mine, it's ours. If it's yours, it's ours. It's, you know, we are connected. So again, it's a difficult couple of planets that have sitting on top of each other. And it might make you feel weird, or it might have other people acting weird. And you know, you just want to not take it too personally and support your system and your life to the best of your ability through this transit. Now, on the 19th, we have another 
couple of transits worth naming. The first is Mercury retrograde forming a sextile to Jupiter. And the next is the sun trying to Pluto. Both of these transits are really lovely and fortifying. Now they're overlapping with the Mars conjunction to Neptune and all this other intense energy that we're going through. But sun trying to Pluto is strengthening. It can deepen your access to your own resiliency. It can put you in situations where you find that your identity is being validated or bolstered in some way, buoyed in some way. The sun trying to Pluto is good for any kind of recovery work that you're doing, like any kind of recovery work, any kind of therapy, any exercise regime that is specifically pointed towards the promotion of your health. This transit is great for flirting and starting projects and being engaged actively uh, in whatever it is that you're doing. Sun trine Pluto is also a great transit for showing up more authentically or having difficult conversations, you know. Uh, There's really no downside to this transit. It is lovely, and I'm so grateful to see it in the middle of all this mishigas, you know. Ultimately, this transit is really good for positive or healing transformations. And they don't have to be big. They don't have to be dramatic in order to be important. Sometimes it is the most subtle or small shift that empowers deep and lasting changes. So don't be weird and hierarchical. This isn't a Saturn transit. Just go for authenticity and depth. Now, the other exact transit we've got going on is Mercury retrograde forming a sextile to Jupiter. This is great for introspection. So Mercury sextile to Jupiter is great for putting yourself out there, making connections, seeing the big picture, making plans. When Mercury is retrograde, we shift that interpretation and we shift it because Mercury wants us looking within. Mercury wants us following the rule of reason. I know I'm repeating it, but it's worth repeating. So the potential here is to apply all of that ability that Mercury sextile Jupiter brings to uh, connect to the big picture, to have fun and be curious and adventurous and to turn it inside, you know. Uh, So that might mean, you know, if you're going to hang out with a friend, uh, you know, do spiritual work together, you know, like have real conversations, share something. If it's an old friend, you know, rejoice about the past, uh, that kind of a thing. This is a great transit for any kind of like mercurial therapy, in other words, psychological work. It's just a great transit for psychological work. Honestly, so is the sun trying to Pluto. Mars conjunct Neptune, not so much. But truly, the fact that the Mars conjunct Neptune, the lunar eclipse, uh, these things are happening at the same time as these other two transits is a good sign for our ability to make the most of the difficult parts of the transits that we are going through. Mercury retrograde sextile to Jupiter. Honestly, like if you're having a shit time, if you've just been kind of struggling, take a walk. If you can take a walk in nature or someplace that will specifically give you a view, uh, that would be ideal. Jupiter loves a view. It loves like a, a, a big ass view. So you don't have to be around people. You don't have to interact with people. You don't have to talk to your therapist. Uh, if Those things don't sound fun or if they're not easy or whatever. There's so many ways to make the most of this energy. Honestly, you might just want to read a good book that day because even if it's, you know, like a fun, fluffy piece of fiction, it might spark connections for you that are really deep and helpful. That's the cool thing about Jupiter. It's not hard. It's 
kind of dynamic and synergistic. And so when we see sextiles to and from Jupiter, it's often cause for excitement. Not always. Uh, let's harken back to the Pluto-Jupiter sextile. But that that's another story. This one is fan-fucking-tastic. On the 20th, it's Gemini season. Some shall rejoice. Others, they will moan because people are people. Okay, that brings us to the final transit of this week. And it is on the 21st and the sun forms a conjunction to Mercury retrograde. So this transit has pros and my friends, it has cons. On the pro side, it is really good for, again, therapeutic self-investigation. It can be a good transit for having conversations uh, with friends or people in your life about things that have already happened. So it's that kind of like review part of the Mercury retrograde. You know how they say during Mercury retrograde that people can come back from your past. Honestly, you know, I've seen on the internet for some reason that, you know, expect exes to show up during Mercury retrograde. That's a Venus retrograde thing more than a Mercury retrograde thing. Mercury governs friends, not lovers. Um, but Sure. Yes. You know, people from your past. So this may be a time where, you know, you really do encounter folks from your past or you just process things from the past with people. Uh, this is a great time for, again, introspection, self-reflection. If you're a writer, it's a great time for writing or editing if you have the energy for editing. Though, again, a lot of this energy can be a bit distracting from editing. It's still, you know, it's a great transit for those things. The downside of this transit is that when the sun and Mercury are conjoined, it is hard to separate one's ideas and attitudes from one's identity and sense of self. And this can lead to serious egoism. So technically, Mars governs the ego, but I am of the mind personally as an astrologer that in this world that we live in that's so digital, Mercury is more and more functioning in an egocentric way because I say I am eating a beautiful meal and I took a picture of it and posted it to social media. Therefore, I am. So when the sun and Mercury conjoin, what can happen is you take things really personally, even things that weren't said to you and aren't about you. It is possible that you will get into disagreements with people or that other people will get into disagreements with you because, again, we are so identified with our thoughts or with what we've said during this transit that we can take shit the wrong way. We can take shit personally. Things can go sideways. The positive potential around that is that you can learn something. But in order to learn something, you have to be willing to learn something. Luckily, this is all happening in Gemini, which is a zodiac sign that is open to learning. It is naturally curious. Unfortunately, it's also pretty distractible. So if you are having a difficult dynamic with someone else, my advice to you is to listen. Really listen. Listen to what other people have to say. Be curious. Because that curiosity, if it's authentic, can help you to learn. And maybe what you learn is, I don't fucking like this person. <laughs> like learning doesn't always mean you like what you learn, but learning is really valuable. Being open is really valuable. And also when you're authentically listening to someone else, it leaves a lot more room and energy for that other person to be motivated to really listen to you. Defensiveness tends to beget defensiveness, right? So this Sun-Mercury retrograde conjunction is uh, definitely a transit to watch out for and to do your best to make the most of the astrological potential. And my loves, 
That's this week's horoscope. Let me run through the transits one more time in case you're taking notes. The first thing is we are still in a Mercury retrograde. Hello, huzzah, and welcome. It's annoying. On the 15th, we've got an exact lunar eclipse, which is a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. We also have an exact square between the sun and Saturn. We have an exact sextile between the sun and Neptune. And Venus is exactly conjoined to Chiron. On the 17th, Mars is conjoined to Neptune. On the 19th, the sun is trying to Pluto and Mercury is sextile to Jupiter. The 20th is Gemini season. And then finally, on the 21st, the sun is conjoined to Mercury retrograde. Now, I will also say, because I know I talk fast, if you're like, why does she say that so fast? Don't forget that uh, there's always transcripts for free uploaded on my website within 48 hours of each podcast drop. So you can refer back to those transcripts at your leisure. Also, I'm teaching a class an astrology class called High Times and Addiction in the Birth Chart. Will I be talking about all forms of adult candy, uh, how we can look astrologically at both addiction and recreational use, maintenance use, all that kind of good stuff? Yes, yes, I will. I'm teaching this class at Astrology University. There will be a link for you to get your ticket uh, in the show notes of this episode. It's also on my website, It's happening on June 4th, but if you can't show up live, no problem. You get the full download emailed to you. It'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be cute. uh, And you'll learn a lot. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. As always, as always, I want to thank you for being here uh, and invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet and to write a review or give it five stars wherever you listen to it, because those are the things that really do help all podcasts, but in particular, independent podcasts like my own. And Finally, I'll say, join me on Patreon. Do we have fun? Yeah, we have fun. It's kind of my favorite place on the internet. Stay safe and do your best to be your best, even when you feel like garbage. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.